0: Hi everybody, you're listening to The Rope Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show.
1: This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now.
0: This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk, and we strongly recommend you get proper training. And listen to episode zero before attempting it. Find it at the top of our FetLife page, Rope Podcast.
1: I'm Fox the Rigger, and she is Maya the Bottom. We are rope partners of four years now. And we are very excited to share our passion for rope bondage with you from our beautiful city of Bangkok, Thailand. Today's episode is sponsored by Friction Live. Friction Live offers a variety of king classes, mostly centered around rope and things you can do to complement your rope, which you can follow along from the comfort of your own couch, your kitchen, your bed, your rope dojo, (laughs) wherever you want. You can attend the class live on Zoom or you can view it recorded at your convenience at a later time. Check them out at frictionlive.ca.
0: And they're really great and we like it a lot and we've attended pretty much all of them that we can.
1: And thank you Friction Live for supporting the Road Podcast.
0: So today we're going to have a really interesting listener question which was sent to us by Juliet underscore Bravo from the UK. So let's have a listen together. Hello, Fox and Maya, greetings from cold and rainy England. I'm relatively new to rope and I have a question for the podcast around feelings of catharsis and calm for both tops and bottoms. It seems to me that feelings of relaxation for bottoms as a result of being in rope and practising BDSM in general are fairly widely acknowledged and studied. But I've been wondering, what about the tops? From my perspective as a newbie bottom... Rigging looks quite stressful and demands that riggers stay mentally present throughout the scene. So can you suggest ways that both parties can create a scene that focuses on building emotional charge and connection and release? I look forward to hearing what you think.
1: Well, first of all, Maya, I think Juliet underscore Bravo has a great radio voice.
0: Okay, very nice. <laughs>
1: she can come into on the podcast anytime.
0: Lovely, lovely. Okay, so an interesting question. Um, and we have a few things to explore from that today. So maybe first we should start with, well, what, what is this bottom state? Because if we can understand that, maybe we can see if there's a top state that corresponds to it.
1: It's the bottom state a nation you form before the other bottom
0: state? <laughs> okay. We are the bottom state. It could be the president bunny queen.
1: You can be president bunny queen nice, or the bottom nice. state.
0: Okay. So um, I was thinking more um, of the state of being, Okay. So this idea of the re- relaxing state that she mentions. So mm-hmm. um, this helps us understand what we're then going to compare the top experience to. So she talked about relaxation, catharsis, release, calm, uh, melty even.
1: Does that resonate with your experience of robotomy?
0: It definitely resonates with some of my experience. Uh, what I would say is that not every bottom might feel this and not in every scene. So I think it's worth us mentioning that at the start. However, it's a pretty common um feeling that's expressed by bottoms, this idea of relaxation, uh rope being something that uh calms you.
1: All right. And the word catharsis sounds like Greek, right?
0: Yeah, uh it's Greek for purification or cleansing or clarification.
1: Sounds amazing.
0: What it tends to mean in day-to-day uh, speak, and I think it comes from psychoanalysis, although I wouldn't uh, count on that, is uh, this idea of release of held-in or pent-up emotions. And that can be a restorative feeling. So you're effectively processing your emotions through this kind of
1: release. I will say that as a top, I often see the rope-bottoms arrive tense, and then go away after the scene much more relaxed. So is that what we're talking about here?
0: I think that is definitely one of the facets, yes.
1: All right. So how do we achieve this? Let's start with the bottom.
0: I think there's a number of factors. Um, sometimes you need to understand what the emotions are. So there's a self-awareness piece uh, that might have to happen. So do you understand what emotions you're bringing? And can you explain to your top that you need or what you're hoping for from the scene or what you might enjoy the scene helping you to release. Hmm.
1: Would you have an example of the kind of feeling a bottom might come to a scene with?
0: Yes, we had um, a friend who came to us very stressed about some exams she was doing Hmm. and we supported her by doing some rope with her and it's quite intense rope which enabled her to release Some of those emotions that she had inside her. And there's something uh, called a stress cycle, which we've recently been reading about. And I think there's a piece around this that there's an opportunity for this to help complete the stress cycle by releasing the emotions that you have trapped inside you.
1: And I will say that particular scene you are referring to was actually really good for me because she was very tense, but it brought a lot of energy, a lot of intensity to the play. And I like that a lot.
0: Okay, interesting, interesting. and I think you've had some experiences with people with particular emotions and particular parts of their body as well.
1: Yes, in particular I'm um, I'm thinking about a person I tied for a few months every week or so, and she was always very tense in her upper chest area. And whenever we did rope that targeted that area either by having for instance a very tight chest harness or on the opposite having a suspension that opened the chest, that pulled the shoulders back uh, and away from the center, she would have a giant cry. And then she would feel a lot better after that. So for her, it's really like she was holding the tension in that part of her body. And when the play targeted that part of her body, it helped her a lot release that.
0: And there's a book called, um, The Body Hold, The Body Keeps the Score, I think, which talks about trauma and the body. And that might be an interesting thing for people to read if you're especially interested in this. One thing I would flag is it can be a bit of a dangerous thing to play with. Um, and exploring it very carefully is probably useful because, of course, you could have quite a negative reaction. It's risky, it's vulnerable. Mm. Um, perhaps the bottom doesn't want that experience.
1: And to be fair, most kingsters are not trained therapists. No, indeed. And while we believe that BDSM can be therapeutic, we don't think that it should be therapy, right? It,
0: we very much... Our personal view is very much uh, that. Okay, so you've got this idea that sometimes rope can help bottoms to achieve catharsis, Mm -hmm. uh, and those cathartic triggers can be uh, pain, so a lot of pain. We
1: like that one. (laughs) Uh,
0: Exhaustion, which is really another type of pain. So the the kind of traditional seminar where you have long, challenging positions that –
1: The slow boil.
0: The slow boil that really break you down. Um, intense sexual sensations as well. Um, sometimes as a woman, when there are extremely intense orgasms, um, a
1: repeated orgasms, like a lot of them in a short time. Yeah.
0: Then. But also the intensity of one can be enough. Then I have cried after those for, mm-hmm. for, for what I can see is no good reason. So that can be part of rope. Um there's something around uh protective touch, so being cocooned in rope that can be a very relaxing, spacey, restful feeling because mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do so you can let go in thats that sense um and I think the bottom's emotions can trigger the tops emotions there, right This is something that oh you definitely that's
1: actually something I look for very much in my play, which is feeling things through my partner's emotions,
0: yeah, yeah. And I'm quite uh, expressive emotionally. And so that is an echo that you can then feel uh, in your own body and your own emotions.
1: Mm. And do you think some of those triggers are more adapted to some feelings? Like if someone is stressed, maybe something more intense is going to help. If someone is anxious, maybe something more cuddly is going to help.
0: I think it's very personal, very person Mm. dependent. So for some people... Uh, they don't like cuddles, for example. So they want to feel pain as a, a sensation. So I think, uh, as always, um, because I think this is one of our themes on all 80 or 90 episodes that we've done so far, uh, it's a personal thing. And we're explaining or exploring our experiences and the experiences of people that we've talked to and met. But of course, that doesn't mean it has to apply to you. And I also think it's super important not to set yourself up that that has to happen, right? Mm,
1: yeah, definitely. Uh, first of all, because I think if you put too much pressure on the outcome, then it's going to make the process not as nice because you're going to obsess the whole time about when's the cathartic crime going to happen? When's the cathartic crying. Is it, now? Is it, Is it now? now? Is it now? Is it now? Yeah. Uh And also, I think it's actually directly counterproductive. And if you try too hard, you're less likely to get there. it's kind of like orgasms in sex in a way if you're too obsessed about the orgasms the sex is not as good and you're actually less likely to orgasm than if you don't think about it
0: yeah and we tend to be more process focused in rope than outcome focused, and Mm -hmm. i think that's probably in this case the way to help that to happen
1: hey guys this is fox coming in for a short break we really love making this podcast and sharing it with you But, your support can really help us pay for the hosting, the equipment, and other critical costs. So, if you like this podcast and you want to support us, you can do so at ropepodcast.com You'll find ways to buy rope tutorials and gear, so we get a small commission from your purchase at no extra cost to you. In addition, you could also donate to us directly on our Patreon, either as a one-off amount or monthly support that can be as little as the price of a cup of coffee. If you can't afford to do that, that's okay. Just enjoy the podcast and maybe tell a kinky friend or two about it. Now back to today's episode. Also, Maya, do we actually want a catharsis moment like that to happen every single scene?
0: I mean, personally, I don't because sometimes we do rope a few hours before work. Mm -hmm. And there's only so much um, deep emotional experience I can handle before... Uh, a rope session, uh, a work session. Yeah. Um, and
1: as much as being exploded and then put back together can be fun, you maybe just don't want to get exploded every single day of your life.
0: Exactly. It would be tiring. And and I think sometimes you're doing rope in public. First, Certainly for me, if I'm doing rope in public, there's only so far and so deep I want to go emotionally.
1: All right. So now that we've explored pretty well what catharsis means and what relaxation and release we can get in rope, Let's go back to the core of Juliet's question, which was how to attain that for the top.
0: Right. So it's interesting because the top is, uh, by definition, more active in Mm -hmm. the scene, uh, which is not to say that bottoms can't actively bottom, but the top is the person who is tying. In most rope scenes, the top is the person, uh, after negotiation, who's controlling the scene. Mm -hmm. So there is a aspect of... Uh, alertness at the top has to keep.
1: Yeah, it's, it's hard to uh, take care of the uplines if you're bowling your eyes out crying at the same time.
0: Yeah, yeah. But we think that there are things that can help the top relax. So, Definitely. Fox, what in your experience might those things be?
1: I think as a top, you might be more relaxed if you do scenes based on well-known elements. What does that mean So if you? you choose ties, you've mastered well. You're very comfortable with them. You could do them with your eyes closed. If you tie with a person, you've gotten to know. So if you develop more of a regular, frequent play relationship with that person, I would say that play with them is likely to be more relaxing than playing with a complete stranger. And also in a location that is nice and familiar and warm, I think you are a lot more likely to have a relaxing experience. Uh, In particular, speaking from experience, if you are tying with an audience, the nature of that audience and their relationship to you can make a very big difference. And if you're tying in an environment that is hostile in any way, it's going to be really difficult to be relaxed in your scene bubble, so to speak.
0: Yeah, yeah. And trying something for the first time might not be very relaxing or experimenting or if you're trying to impress your partner, like there's lots of reasons why um, that might be so.
1: And I think that's interesting what you say because that means as a top, you can push for a certain type of scene depending on your context and how you're feeling that day. And if you're feeling very emotional or very tense or very tired, maybe go for an easy scene. And on the day, you're feeling super pumped and ready to climb a mountain. Then you try the difficult suspension you haven't quite mastered the time before.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's something also there uh, in terms of comfort zone around how the p- partner reacts to the top.
1: Yeah, and that's actually something I really enjoyed about Juliet's question, which is as a person in rope, as a person being tied, she wants to actively help her top have a good time. And I really enjoy this aspect of the dynamic of a rope partnership.
0: And so how, how can she do that?
1: I think a big part that we don't really talk about enough is validation of the top. Because depending on the type of rope you do, if it has things like sadism, or if it has a primal aspect to it, or if it plays with various fetishes, Um, the top could experience things like guilt or shame and having a partner who can shore him up and validate that the person being tied wants those things, enjoys those things, either enjoys them for themselves or enjoys providing that to the top. I think giving that validation can be really important and really useful.
0: Okay. And I think there are other things that the bottom can do to help the top as well. So I've seen um, the experience of how the bottom talks to the top and interacts with the top Mm -hmm. at the most basic level has an effect, right?
1: So what have you seen in terms of how the bottom talks to the top?
0: At a really basic level, if you come in with um, aggression or even if it's coming from something else, that can impact how your top feels.
1: I think so. I think when a bottom talks to me in a soft way, or touches me in a certain way during the scene, it's definitely going to help me be more relaxed and have a better experience.
0: And you're feeding off each other. Um This concept of energy is a bit nebulous. And I think it's understood in a way that is a metaphor for me, Mm -hmm. but the concept of the energy the two people bring to the scene and the way they feed off each other's energy is very important here.
1: Yeah, I would say the word energy may seem a bit esoteric, but there's very clear science that things like blood pressure, breathing, the release of certain uh, hormones, oxytocin and so on are things that two individuals can influence in each other. okay. And so it's not just crystals and magic spells, there's actual biological things, physiological things happening. All there.
0: right. And so from a practical perspective, I think the bottom can also help in the scene.
1: Definitely. Um, I, for instance, quite enjoy when the bottom wants to have an input in designing the scene.
0: Which is interesting because sometimes as a top, uh, the top wants to take complete control. So how does that work for you?
1: I think it's important to notice that there's a difference between being in control and being the only person contributing. And if you take the analogy of a team, a team can have a leader. That leader can be the person making the final decisions. But a good leader honestly should use the skills of the members of the team and take their input into consideration when taking the decisions. So that's what I'm talking about.
0: Nice. And also there's a difference between Uh, power exchange relationships and top and bottom. Top and bottom might be a more equal relationship. So it's useful for our listeners to understand that too.
1: Mm -hmm. And then in a much more pragmatic sense, uh, the bottom can also help with things like preparing the scene space. Absolutely. For instance, we have a community dungeon we play at uh, quite often. And let's just say, as you might expect in a place like that, the floor is not always super clean. So like having someone who is going to help me set up the mats, clean with the supplies provided and so on, uh, is nicer than someone who's just having a drink with her girlfriends and letting me do all the work and just shows up when the rope's ready to start.
0: And then the other end, there's uh, tearing it down. So mm-hmm. putting the space back together again um, and making sure that the space is cleared properly.
1: With the caveat that you have to respect the fact that the bottom needs potentially her aftercare time and might be spacey or affected in various ways after the rope. So probably don't ask her to sweep the floor three minutes after Mm -hmm. she's out of that TK.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, if she can still hold the broom, okay. okay I'm going to play TK. that
0: clip right back to you <laughs> three minutes after our scenes in future. Oh, when yeah. you're like, I
1: can see how I just gave damning evidence that it's going yeah, to be used against me in the future. Definitely.
0: Um, and coiling a note on coiling as well. I'm sure we've said this before. Tops tend to coil their rope in specific ways. I think it's nice for bottoms to offer to either help coil or to straighten the rope so that mm-hmm. the top can coil it more easily.
1: Absolutely. That's but don't be very upset if the
0: top says no to the coiling because they yeah. probably have their own way.
1: I have had to say no to coiling to many people, in fact, because you're the only person who coils my rope as part of our protocols.
0: And because I do it like you like it. And because
1: you do it well, definitely.
0: And because you got me to do it in the way that suits you.
1: Yeah. I, I estimate you must have coiled around three or 4,000 coils of rope by now.
0: Okay. It's, yeah. I feel like I coiled like 50 today.
1: Maybe not fifty today, but by rapid mental math, yeah, I think in the neighborhood of three or four thousand. Okay. Anyway, so what um, else can
0: the bottom do to help you as the top?
1: Debriefing, uh, and that ah. comes a bit after the fact. But we talked a bit earlier about reassurance and validation, and a bottom who is willing to take the time to talk with the top can be either immediately after the scene or it can be the next day and there's pros and cons to both of those or ideally, honestly, both immediately and then again on the next day would be my preference. It's going to help the top feel better about what happened. It's going to help the top understand and it's going to reassure uh, that the things that went well, went well. And it's also okay, obviously, to say that some things didn't go as well as they could be, but that it also helped the top be more relaxed and improve their ability to play with that person in the future.
0: Exactly. So that's a a bit of a long-term play for people to understand that if you're building a rope relationship with someone, then inputting into that relationship in the long term is worthwhile because Mm -hmm. communicating with the person before, during, after your scene means that the next scene builds on that relationship.
1: There is definitely a virtuous circle at play here. And yeah, the more you do that work the more you tie repeatedly with that same person with some regularity, the better and more relaxing it's going to get. Yeah. And also the more vulnerable you're going to be able to be. And one thing we've identified is that to access this feeling of release and emotional intensity, vulnerability is really important. And here you can quote your favorite researcher, Brené Braun.
0: Okay, yes, Brené Brown uh, feels that relationships are more authentic if you're prepared to be vulnerable, essentially, mm-hmm. and you're able to be a more wholehearted person.
1: Maybe you can put her famous TED talk in the show notes for this okay. episode. <laughs> okay,
0: okay. Um, I think also we have talked about aftercare in the past, I can mm-hmm. link to that episode, and it's very common for people to talk about aftercare for the bottom, but uh, we also believe strongly that the top needs aftercare or if they can choose what aftercare works for them. So letting the top know that the bottom is there for them during aftercare is also helpful.
1: Oh, it can make a really big difference.
0: So why does it make a difference?
1: Well, Maya, it can make a difference because I think it's easier to go to a high place if you have someone to catch you on your way down. Like you feel, you feel safer, you feel like you're not on your own, And it's true that traditionally aftercare focuses a bit more on the bottom, especially when you read articles on fat life and such. It's quite uh, bottom-centered. But I think it's really in the interest of both parties, if they want to have good play and intense play, to really provide the needs of both the top and the bottom in that way.
0: Absolutely. And there's one other facet that we don't know as well, we don't have experience on, but of course, a top can be, uh, from a power exchange
1: perspective, a sub. Yeah, and that's and, quite interesting. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. very interesting. And so that might in- increase the need of the top to have that support from the bottom. So that's something we want to flag, but we uh, appreciate we can't really talk about it so much.
1: Mm. And in turn, uh, if that's the dynamic where the rigor is submissive and the person in rope is that rigor is dominant... Uh the dominant can really provide a very strong framework for a good scene for the rigger by giving them the direction they're looking for and mm-hmm. the structure they're looking mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. and telling them that they're doing a good thing for the dominant. The dominant is enjoying the rope. The rigger is doing a good job of pleasing them. And that can be really strong, I think, in that area. Definitely. It's definitely a less common dynamic. But if our listeners have examples of that uh in their community or in their own play, we'd be really interested to hear about it.
0: Yeah. And there are other things that can increase the relaxation value of a tie, right?
1: Definitely. Uh, I'm a big believer in the nonverbal communication of spaces, which is a complicated way of saying something simple, which is adapting your environment to what you want to feel and what you want to say and what you want to do with that environment.
0: That sounds lovely.
1: Uh, I hope so. In the case of a rope space, I would be looking for things like what music am I going to play during the rope? Is my rope space going to be the right temperature for everyone to be comfortable with whatever clothes or lack of clothes, hopefully, we've chosen to wear, <laughs> having the right lighting for the right mood? So for instance, I know I like to have... Uh, a dimmer, more orangey kind of light, ideally if I want to be relaxed and have a more sensual experience. Uh, things like how you decorate your robe space are going to make a difference. But It's so nice to tie in a place that's nice.
0: And we have an episode on sensual uh, rope, which mm. is quite recent, which I'll link to.
1: Yeah, that would definitely connect. And I
0: think we have an episode on rope spaces too.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, <laughs> at this stage, we've recorded quite a few <laughs> of these. Yeah. these
0: I'll uh, link to some ideas. Um,
1: also, scents could be something you play with. If uh, the rigger has a certain scent that helps them relax, then having that scent around either in the room or on the person being tied could be Ooh, a really nice way to achieve relaxation and certain feelings you're aiming for. Certainly
0: some people's perfume I do not so much enjoy.
1: Yeah, and I mean on the other hand, if I've been tying for a person with a person for a long time and I really enjoy that person, just smelling that person's perfume as we begin the tie is going to help me feel relaxed.
0: Interesting, interesting. So there's a piece around conditioning there and mm-hmm. long term uh,
1: then I would say also pay attention to the surface you're tying on. Oh, that
0: sounds interesting. What does that um, mean?
1: And well, mostly it's going to be the floor. Uh, in our case, it's also often a bed because we do like tying on the comfy bed because we're creatures of comfort <laughs> like that. Uh, a lot of people enjoy tying on Japanese-style tatami mats, but I'll say that's not a favorite thing.
0: <laughs> Why is that?
1: Um, I find them a bit hard and especially I find them a bit grindy like i get i get uh little injuries on my hands and feet really easy from them and i i got super sensitive skin it's annoying i scratch up really easily and i don't like having my hands and feet bleeding at the end of the scene. (laughs) That's not the kind of experience I'm looking for. I will
0: say kneeling on them for a long time in bare knees can be uh, challenging. But I think
1: in that area, what takes the cake is when we tie at our local latex shop, which has like corrugated metal
0: floor. And while it
1: looks super cool and fits the atmosphere of the place brilliantly, and we love tying there, it is so uncomfortable to tie on that floor. It's pretty hard to tie It's going kind to of tell So all
0: of these things the bottom can help with. Just to, again, um, put us back to the question, mm-hmm. all of these things the bottom can support the top with how we bring ourselves to the scene yes. uh, in terms of our smell, in terms of the quality of touch that we give our rigor.
1: Yeah, and that's a subtle one because touching the rigor some can definitely help his or her relaxation but you have to be mindful as a person being tied that the way you touch the rigor is not going to get in the way of the rope the rigger yeah. is trying to tie, in which case it could frustrate them and do the opposite of what you're trying to achieve.
0: Yeah, and that takes a certain sense of awareness from mm. the bottom. And a lot of tops tie the hands first, I think, for that reason.
1: Yeah, so you're, <laughs> you're safe there. And you actually uh, give a good transition to what I wanted to say next, which is one condition for being relaxed, I think, for either side is to feel that our boundaries are going to be respected.
0: Oh, psychological safety.
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of a requirement of having a relaxing or a deeper emotional scene is to not be hypervigilant because you think that person might grab the genitals at any moment and you don't want them to.
0: I I think that's true. And while on the one hand, someone might listen to that and think, well, why are are you tying with someone where that might be the case? I think it's a lot more subtle than that normally. Mm. There are people with whom I've tied with before, I feel very safe because they have proved to me time and time again that they're safe. There are other people who I enjoy tying with, but maybe there's been some mild discomfort or some Mm -hmm. incidents where I feel okay, I'm not quite sure what that was. It's, it doesn't feel a big enough deal at the time to talk about. But then when I'm in the rope again the next time, maybe that's at the back of my mind and something that is just giving me that sense of mild, less safe. Where someone the other day really proved himself in a completely um, different arena Safety-wise, and that has added to my feeling of safety around time. Mm,
1: you you mean person. when he prevented uh, a drunk person from groping you while you were in the road?
0: He did indeed. And he didn't make a big deal out of it. I actually mm. heard about it from someone else because I had my eyes closed and it was uh, it yeah. made a big difference. Um On the other side of that, I think the bottom can help a lot here by making sure that they have communicated their boundaries clearly to the top.
1: Oh, yes. If... I don't have a clear understanding of what a person's boundaries are. Hopefully I wouldn't be tying them in the first place. But if there's any doubt in the back of my mind, I'm going to be super careful about everything I do for the whole scene and that is definitely not going to lead to a very relaxed scene for me.
0: Right. And I I've having been privy to negotiations that you've had with people in the past, I think that again, this is something where on the one hand, when we explain it, people think, well, oh, why would that happen? On the other hand, I've seen bottoms who really genuinely think they've expressed their boundaries. And I can see, I mean, you're um uh not a native English speaker, although your English is amazing. Thank you. And we, and our listeners may forget that from listening to your. I hope they don't forget that my
1: English is amazing.
0: (laughs) Okay. And you often negotiate with people whose um, native language is not English as well. Yes. And sometimes when that happens, I can see. The frustration from one or the other when one person thinks they've communicated a boundary, but you rightly want to be super clear and make sure you've really understood. And maybe they've said something which seems ambiguous or Mm. contradicts themselves. And
1: language is a factor, but neurodivergence could be a factor as well in those situations.
0: Yes, Mm. yeah. Yeah, definitely. So... As a bottom, one thing you can really do is make sure that you have expressed your boundaries clearly, appropriately, kindly, because there's no need to be unpleasant with that. Definitely. Um, And then both parties can feel safer. Mm -hmm. What else? What what more practical things?
1: (laughs) Okay, switching to the extreme opposite end of the spectrum to the totally practical, I find it really pleasant and relaxing to be working with good gear.
0: So what does that mean to you?
1: That means I want to tie with rope that I like. So in my case, that would be my uh, natural color hemp. And I would tie someone with different rope. If, for instance, uh, the person being tied brought their own rope and it happened to be pink jute, I would probably still tie them, but I wouldn't enjoy it as much because that's not the rope I enjoy using. Uh, I want carabiners that are the right size, that are the right surface material, that the rope is going to s- slide well. Into and over, I want a frame that feels solid, that feels good, that oh, yeah. I can trust. <laughs> I want all the equipment that I'm using to be as good as it can be and to match my preferences. And then I'm having a really good time.
0: And you love your rigging play. And we've been I love playing it so much. with bamboo even more recently. And I think familiarity is a big piece here, right?
1: Uh, familiarity and in my case, uh, I'm mildly OCD a with little, things yes, a little. And so having things neatly arranged in a way that I like with an easy reach so I don't have to get up and like leave my partner to grab something. Uh, everything can be in the flow of the scene in a certain layout. so I know like my left hand can reach for that thing without having to look at it because it's always going to be in the same place. That really helps me be in a space of muscle memory and automatic movement and have a much more relaxed time.
0: Yeah, we have a very organized work space. We love it.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: So anything else in terms of uh, helping the top to feel relaxed practically?
1: I think the good news is experience is going to help a lot with this. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes and the more relaxed you can be. So if you are just beginning in tying people, as I know a lot of you dear listeners are, you might think, wow, this tying people thing is really stressful. And I'm really high strung every time I do it. And I'm anxious before and I crash after. But the good news is, if you do it a lot more, it's going to get a lot easier. So Maya, you're a psychologist.
0: Uh, I am. Yes, I am.
1: Can you talk to us a bit about the concept of flow and how it relates to what we're talking about?
0: Yeah. So ultimately, um, having looked a bit at the, honestly, extremely minimal research around uh, tops and bottoms and the kind of states that you can get, what the research said is, you, as bottoms, you can get to this relaxed state, but as tops, what you're more likely to find that you experience is something called flow state, which is an intense and focused concentration on the present moment, uh, where you have this sense of uh, personal control, agency over the situation, and time itself is altered. And I think you've experienced that, right?
1: Oh, I experience it most rope scenes, I do, honestly.
0: And how do you experience that time?
1: I It's... It's like losing myself. It's like I disappear and I go in, I disappear into a tunnel. And when I come out of that tunnel, I feel like 10 minutes have passed and I check the clock and three hours have passed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you lose this idea of uh, yourself Mm -hmm. and there are three conditions for flow state. So there's quite a lot of research on this. I'll link to the most famous book. One is that you are involved in an activity with a clear set of goals and progress. So you th- if you think about rope, um, our, our goal might be the process itself, but you're tying something. And that gives you direction mm. and structure to your And task. there's usually
1: phases like positioning the bottom, tying the rope, going up into the suspension, playing in the suspension, coming down from the suspension, untying... Aftercare. If we take, for example, the suspension scene, yeah, and that means there are a very there's a very clear notion of progress as we go through those steps. Yeah, and I know that if my suspension has two harnesses and I'm in the middle of tying the second harness, it's very clear where I am in that stage as well. And
0: that actually taps into the second condition for flow state, which is clear and immediate feedback. Mm -hmm. So you can see uh, whether you've tied your harness appropriately. You can Mm -hmm. see if your knot is holding. Um,
1: It's appearing before my eyes as I tie it.
0: And you can also see feedback from the bottom in terms of their experience. So this is something where the bottom can help again with flow state because they can help give that feedback in a non-verbal way. So that's the third. second one.
1: Yeah, like good noises help a lot good in terms noises. of feedback. I think there's nothing wrong with being verbal in the scene if that's what both people want also.
0: And the third condition for flow state taps into something that we've talked about quite a lot, which is you need a good balance between the challenge level of the task and your own perceived skills. Yeah. So it needs to challenge you a bit, but you also need to be able to meet, rise up and meet that challenge.
1: Yeah, if it's impossibly difficult for your level, you're not going to achieve either flow state nor probably a good time at all.
0: Right. And so you can see from those three conditions, it's less likely for bottoms to fall into flow state because they're not doing those things. So there's a kind of hypothesis that you and I have been discussing that flow state is the equivalent top space for catharsis for bottoms and when you look at this very limited research um, what you find is that both bottoms and tops show um, an increase in relationship closeness a decrease in psychological stress and some evidence of altered states of consciousness but even in the research bottoms and tops differ in those type of altered state they appear to enter Uh, And bear in mind, everybody, again, this is another huge limitation of this research. It's not just about rope. It's about bottoms and tops in BDSM. And I'll link to the research that I looked at in the notes. It's very limited. We... we State that up front.
1: We need more BDSM science.
0: We really do. We really do. So bottoms show evidence of the um, altered state, um, which is much more around relaxation. So uh, feelings of floating, peacefulness, peacefulness, time distortion, uh, some flow, but not the bits of flow that are connected to agency, which is uh, being in control. Mm-hmm. Whereas tops have this uh, highly pleasurable mental state, which is more associated with focused attention, a loss of self-consciousness, and optimal performance, which I would say um, seems to me to be flow.
1: It really fits the description. And I also feel that very intensely about a different type of play that I do, which is needle topping, which is exactly fits the criteria yeah. described.
0: Spacey bottom, focused top, yeah. but loss yeah. of time yeah. and flow. So that's, I think, uh, Juliet Bravo, are. Overall conclusion that yes, um, bottoms can contribute greatly to how tops feel, their state of consciousness in the scene. Probably tops are more likely to get to flow and bottoms are more likely to um, have this state of catharsis or relaxation or spaciness.
1: And I think a tribute to how good Juliet's question was is the fact that we just spent almost 40 minutes talking about it. Oops. (laughs) Oops.
0: So that's all from us at the Rope Podcast.
1: Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from and come friend us on our FedLife page, which is Rope Podcast. You can also find all the ways to support us on our website, ropepodcast.com. In particular, if you like this episode and you would like to hear more like it, please consider supporting us directly on our Patreon page.
0: And we love questions from listeners, as indeed we've shown here. So drop us a message on Life, and we'll try to answer you in an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening.
1: And have fun tying.